What's up, y'all? I'm Cal from Watch Less, and this is a Staycast from Acast. I know it's a challenging time for many, but please do follow your local government's advice. I'm based out of Jersey, and I'm currently staying at home and staying germ-free. Hi, I'm Fraser from Watch Less, and I know we're all in the crib on lockdown looking for things to keep us occupied and obeying the rules of social distancing. But the upside is now is as good a time as any to catch up on the tons of great content out there. Why not try Complex's Load Management Podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Stories. We are back again for another episode. And we are not alone in the studio today. We, we have... have aliens. No, we don't have aliens. No? Okay. We've got a little visitor today. Hello. Hello. That's Will. Will is here today and Will is, weirdly, the reason why this podcast exists. I really thought you were going to be insulting then and just go, Will is weird. I was like, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> that's true, Will like, is weird, no, full yeah. stop. So <laughs> Will is the reason why this podcast exists because Will and Dan start their own podcast called will watches wrestling yes because as you guys know dan is a massive wrestling fan and will had never seen wrestling before and they decided they were going to make a podcast and that podcast never saw the light of day but it did make me really competitive and then i decided (laughs) well we're going to do our own podcast and here we are as we always ask everybody on this podcast Mm. well everybody is in Cass and heidi because they're the only two other people that we've had on the podcast did we ask them a question yes we did okay what is your opinion of the paranormal are you a believer or are you not I believe in its existence in the sense that it has an impact in the real world because people act differently because of their belief in it. I don't think that it is an actual thing. So So we've got a sceptic in the house. Or a schleptic. Our film review this week is a film that all three of us went to see last night and it is Pet Cemetery. It was released in 2019. It has an IMDb of 6.2 out of 10 and a Rotten Tomato score of 58%. Would you like a synopsis? Yes, please. Based on the seminal horror novel by Stephen King, Pet Cemetery follows Dr. Lewis Creed, who, after relocating with his wife Rachel and their two young children from Boston to rural Maine, discovers a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near the family's new home. When tragedy strikes, Lewis turns to his unusual neighbour, Judd Crandall, setting off a perilous chain reaction that unleashes an unfathomable evil with horrific consequences and what were your thoughts on this film i'd just like to say that this film gave me actually gave me nightmares i wasn't that scared at the time but i had so many nightmares last night it was unreal and they were all related to the film and they were all related to a specific thing that happened in that film that i clearly have some kind of ptsd about was it the the girl getting yeah, yeah. The girl getting oh. hit by the car all night oh. all night dreams about people getting run over but so will what were your thoughts on the film well First, I thought it was great to see Chandler from Friends getting some acting work <laughs> nowadays. You know, he's a bit older, so slightly difficult to recognise, but it, it, he played the lead in the film. He does look ma- madly like him. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. There was, a, there was a lot of foreshadowing in the film. I mean, I went in expecting another It, because I loved It, and it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't an It. But I think that they did the best that they could with the story that they had. I also think that if Stephen King came and lived in this house for a day, he'd be like, my God, that cat was so accurate. Because when the cat comes back to life, 
the cat is an absolute bastard and just goes around <laughs> scratching everybody and they try and pick him up and he like bites people mm. and I was like that's just Bim yeah she's got a better coat though than him yeah she does that church's coat was a bit grimy when it came back from the dead well when Bim came back from the dead she managed to keep she's herself never died. She's meticulously clean ten years <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was um I didn't think it was very scary and I guess, you know, it wasn't very scary either, but it was a, I thought it was more of a um, coming of age story rather than a horror story. I thought there were some scary moments in it. Yeah, but they're very predictable. Like they were very um, jump scary moments, like the cat jumping out and stuff. It wasn't necessarily a terrifying film. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think as a film, it was more about looking at death rather than mm. looking at the actual horror of it, which was an interesting concept and in how we deal with death as human beings. Yeah. It had a really freaky doll in it. Did it? Yeah, that cat doll was really scary. Oh, yeah, there was a cat doll dressed as a fairy. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that I forgot a about that. choice of present. But she oh, really liked it. That. Yeah. That, that, apparently that symbolism was just too uh, too subtle for me. Yeah, we just we, we were not clever <laughs> enough to get it. Is a cat dressed as an angel? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I haven't seen the original Pet Cemetery, so I don't know how it like holds up against the original. I don't know. Have you seen it? No, I've not seen the original movie. No. no. So, I mean, it could have been, I know somebody posted in the Facebook group asking us to review it because they'd seen it and it didn't really hold up to the original. But I mean, I don't yeah, know. No comparison points here, unfortunately, because I don't think any of us have seen it. I thought it was okay though. I'm not like, it's no open house. So for me, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get over that. Point. <laughs> I do, I do, I do know or think I know that it is Stephen King's, uh, the book that he says is the scariest for him. Oh, really? It was a weird way of phrasing his scariest book. So, his, his, that's interesting. I wonder if, if it is because... It actually happened to him. He's actually dead. Yeah. Oh, he did actually get hit. Um, he did get seriously like injured, didn't he, in a car accident? Did he? Yeah, like seriously run over. I remember he was in a coma for a bit, so maybe he wasn't in what, a coma. What, were you there? Maybe, you no, said that like you were at his hospital bed. <laughs> Are you sure that's not just the plot of misery? No, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> this is true. He was, in a, he was in a coma for a car accident for a bit. I wonder if he actually died and... Um, and someone buried him in, in the woods. Yeah. And he came back to life. Yeah, just and he's, a got, little like, bit he's got like metal staples in the back of his head now. Um, my favourite bit of the film was at the very beginning, there's this amazing like folk horror moment where the there's these kids going through the woods all in animal masks and they're like banging a drum and they're burying a dog mm. uh, that was my favourite bit but they didn't do anything with it afterwards no, they didn't do anything because there was nothing about the ritual about the no. procession or anything do, like that do you think because when spoiler alert when the girl comes back she's wearing an animal mask does that mean that the original kids that we saw in the procession were they all reincarnated oh I don't know maybe they were no because that town would be like full of deaths well, maybe that's the idea. The whole town is a zombie town. Oh, we've just made it slightly scarier. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe there's just loads of layers to it and we didn't... No, I don't, th- I don't think there is. I really don't think there is. I d- the story was straightforward. Stephen King. Uh, there's a few layers. Yeah. Get in touch, Stephen. Let's know. And yeah. tell us about that time you were in a coma. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I'm going to have to look it up. You're going to have to Google it because it's true. I know it's true. I know he nearly died. Like, I say... Early 2000s, I think, nearly died. So obviously, like, post-dates the book, so it does put that out. Or maybe it was, the book was then a premonition, and yes. that's why you found it so scary. So what would you give it out of five? Let's go to the guest first. It was, I mean, it could have been much, much worse. I would, the, my favourite moment from it was the, the doctoring that, <laughs> that Chandler did when someone came in um, dying 
He and then someone said, "I'm going to call an ambulance," and he immediately said, "No, don't call an ambulance. They won't get here in time." Which you'd think, well, okay, but I mean, you'd still want an ambulance there. Then proceeded to put him on a on a bed, try and strap him up a bit. Um, the the boy's heart stopped beating. He gave them what, maybe three chest compressions, <laughs> yeah, and then just stopped and stared at him and started having horror premonitions. Maybe that's why he actually left Boston because he was such a terrible yeah. doctor. <laughs> it wasn't anything to do with having to leave the fast life. And then also, his daughter gets hit by a truck. He's a doctor. He doesn't like run to her and start like checking for vital signs or anything. I mean, all right, he's going to be traumatized, but you'd at least think that he would try and resuscitate her. I actually think some of the best moments of this film came from his really poor reactions to everything in terms of like any time he had to react, it was like slightly delayed or not very Well, I'm not going to lie. Like if I had to bury my cat and then the next morning my daughter was like, oh no, the cat's here. The cat's fine. I would have reacted a lot more strongly than he did. I wouldn't have just been like... You would have just slapped her across the face. I would have slapped her. But it wasn't even that. It was before anything weird started happening. His reactions to things were just really like odd, like delayed and not really humoured and a bit like, meh. (laughs) Meh. I'll give it three out of five, by the way, just to answer your initial question. Three out of five, Will. I was going to go for four. I'll go 3.5. 3.5. People are going to love it, the fact that you gave it a three out of five, because they always laugh at the fact that I give everything a three out of five, because I'm not easily pleased. I really liked it. I did really like it. I thought it was, and to be honest, anything was going to be at least a three after watching Open House prior to it, so... No matter what film we watch from now on, <laughs> yeah. it will always be... The benchmark fact, will always be Open House. Do you know what I should have done after Open House? I should have gone and watched, rewatched The Breakup. Yes, yeah, so maybe you would have seen it differently. Yeah. Maybe that could be next week's film review. I do think it was, it was going back to the film. It was a good attempt. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three as well. It was interesting enough. It held my attention. There were some good moments. The bit at the end was ridiculous. Yeah, the kid had some hilarious lines. I love you, Daddy. Yeah, she did. That that the last the last sequence was ridiculous. But then a lot of horror movies lose it in the last. I thought she was quite convincing as like a, a psycho. Mm. Yeah, she was a good little yeah. actor. I read a review um, today where they said that she stole the show basically and I think she did I think she was a very good little actor I was actually talking about the little boy when I said the, the kid had some crazy some good lines and a lot of responsibility when <laughs> yeah when they're like stay in the car don't yeah. open it and the kid literally is a baby I, I don't think they quite made up their mind about what how old that kid was or no. what he could do because quite a lot of his lines were him facing away from the camera yeah. and saying with perfect diction things that no two-year-old should be allowed to say <laughs> no. and it was it reminded me of remember that film we watched ages ago where the kid was seeing all the dead people yes. and they put a lot of like yeah. responsibility on this yeah. kid's shoulders and the kid literally couldn't even talk like, tell me exactly everything the dead person said and he said like three words the whole film yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous so three out of five all around if you were thinking of going to see uh, pet cemetery oh 3.5 Thank you. so we're going to go for an average of three yeah um if you are thinking of going to see it i i would suggest yeah go and see it it's mm. got some cool little folk horror elements and it's an interesting view on death if, if only to to try and encourage them to make more stephen king modern day horror film can Wait. i make a request though to the hollywood producers because i know they listen yeah can they not remake stand by me please because that film was great as it is no that never needs to be remade no. that's a great film so our story this week how often do you guys go on the underground at least once a week will um a good couple of times a month and how do you feel about the underground? Do you, I mean, I personally hate it because I'm very anxious and I don't like the amount of people and I feel very claustrophobic and I'm like, oh my God, I can't get off. I want to get off. Mm. How do you guys feel about it? Um, I love the underground because I love London, but I hate it in the morning because there's too many people on it. And actually some of the distances are easier, quicker to walk than they are to get on the train. But nobody knows that. You might not love the underground after this. 
I have to. I literally have to go on it this week. Like, so can we just like make sure that it's not too bad, please? Right. Are you ready for this? No. <laughs> Let's go. Every day, over three million people pass through the maze of the London Underground. Most of these people don't give a second thought to the intricate history of their surroundings. Within the tunnels of the London Underground, from its construction to the present day, there have been thousands of accidental deaths and suicides. Not only this, but the underground train system works its way through the skeleton remains of thousands of plague victims whose bodies were unceremoniously dumped in plague pits at the height of the rampant spread of the disease. The London Underground is the oldest underground network in the world, and with that title and the sheer number of disturbed souls comes a lot of real-life ghost stories. Hey, see what I did there? <laughs> Very clever. Each story presented today comes from people who have worked on the tube and believe that their experience is unexplainable. The tube is monitored 24 hours a day by CCTV cameras, which are always manned remotely. In the summer of 2000, the CCTV monitor noticed a man standing alone on a platform at Liverpool Street Station. The station was still and silent, and the CCTV operator believed that the man had missed the last train home and was unaware that the trains had stopped running for the night. This type of incident in itself wasn't unusual. What was unusual was that it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and there were no contractors scheduled to be in the station. He phoned station worker Steve Coates and asked him to go and escort the man out of the station. The operator explained to Coates there was a man in white overalls standing in the eastbound tunnel, but when Coates arrived, there was no man to be seen. Coates checked all around the platform, looked into the tunnel itself and made his way back to the escalator to call the operator and tell him that the coast was clear. The operator was notably confused by what Coates was reporting and implored him to check again. Again, Coates checked. He himself now confused about why he was having to repeat the action. There was nowhere to hide on the platform and there was definitely no one there. He again called the operator and verified the emptiness of the platform. The operator was panicked. He explained to Coates that he had watched Coates search the platform and the entire time the man in white overalls followed him. He was by his side each step of the way. Coates had never seen him and asked the operator to check his equipment, thinking perhaps there was a glitch on the CCTV. There wasn't. The operator had requested that he go back a second time for that exact reason. Shaken, they ended the phone call, and as Coates turned to leave the station, he noticed a pair of white overalls neatly folded on the bench next to him. No one had passed him, no one had entered, and no one had left. Story number one. So there's a naked man running around Liverpool Street Station, basically. Yeah, he just stripped really quickly, <laughs> got his willy out, was running around. <laughs> this sounds like a normal Friday night in London. <laughs> So what do you think, paranormal or not? I think, oh yeah, I'm going to go paranormal, aren't I? You knew I was going to do that anyway. I've been, I've been very close to being on the last train in Liverpool Street Station before, and it's weird. It is a weird feeling when it gets to that point because actually it's busy from the start of the day, and then it just towards the end it starts to really quieten down. So it must have been weird to see someone because it's probably really empty normally at that time of night. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying it's empty. Yeah, well, I've never, <laughs> I've actually never been in an underground station that was empty before but I can imagine it's horrific I imagine it's really scary and really eerie and really easy to get spooked I know I'm not the sceptic but it would be relatively easy to conceal yourself in one of those tunnels if the only if the only way that the person on the platform was doing was peering into it because it's just their darkness they're the darkest mm. darkest tunnels because that's the cool thing about them is that you can see the train coming so you know how close it is but other than that it's black so it would be it wouldn't be too like if you were naked <laughs> I love the way this has progressed to just a naked man. It wouldn't be too difficult to hide, but then at some point you'd have to come out somewhere. So you'd see it. You couldn't just disappear in the tunnels forever, I don't think, unless you were. You've not seen the movie Creep, have you, Dan? 
No, I haven't. No, it's all about a, a weird rat hy- human hybrid <gasps> that, that lives <gasps> in the tunnels of the London Underground. No, I'm probably, I'm probably, I'm probably not, not going to watch that at all because that <laughs> sounds horrific. Really. And it's got a little nest halfway down the tunnel. So. Maybe that's what it was, a little, little yeah. rat-human hybrid in white overalls. <laughs> but how do you explain then, like I, I appreciate that there probably is places to hide in the underground. How do you explain the CCTV? So the guy literally watching this man beside him every step of the way. And it was a man. He, you know, and I, the, I got all this information from a documentary called Ghosts of the London Underground. Because all of the other research that I did was all like the top 10 haunted stations in London. And they didn't have real people's stories. So this information all came from that documentary. Uh, a, a quick question, which yes. will probably only make sense to your, your British listeners. Was this a Channel 5 documentary? No, I don't think it was. I'll have to look it up. I'm not sure. Channel 5 is... <laughs> Channel 5. Channel 5 is like... Imagine if PBS was a for-profit station and the kind of things that they'd have to do to get people to watch is that kind of thing, really. Mm. It's like when the National History... Is it National History that does Shark Week? Yes. I fucking love Shark Week. Yep. History Channel, yeah. Yep. Shark Week is so good, though. Yeah. Are you ready for another one? Uh, no, I don't think we've... Yeah. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. I mean, aliens would be the obvious answer to what caused that last one. Will, you can get the fuck out. If this is, if this is what you're going to start, you're not welcome back on this podcast. I actually want it on record that I do think it was ghost, by the way. I don't think there was a naked person. I just wanted to explore that opportunity. <laughs> can, can I ask, if this was on a documentary, presumably they had the CCTV footage. Okay, Will, uh, no, we're no, going to move on to the next asking. story. <laughs> next story... <laughs> Bank Station is one of the oldest stations in the Underground Network. Andy Harkin had worked for the London Underground for over 30 years. In 1982, he was locking up Bank Station and was getting ready to leave. The station has four lifts, which needed to be checked nightly before being shut down to ensure that nobody was in the lift. Harkin had checked the final lift, shut it down, and had turned to make his way to the ticket office when it happened. Three loud knocks came from inside the lift. He knew there was no one in there, and he knew that the lifts had been shut down. As he made his way across the main hall of the station, he heard the slamming shut of the doors in the surrounding offices. Bank Station Ticket Hall is located on the site of a crypt that was excavated and the bodies exhumed and removed to make way for the building. So the apparition there was three knocks? Yes. Okay, so I work in a lot of buildings in Kent and London that have lift shafts and they're continuously making noises that they shouldn't be making. I'm not entirely convinced by this one. Although the bank bank station, the historical location of bank station station is fact. It's only built because rich bankers are lazy because actually it's oh, yeah. like super close to Liverpool Street and they don't really need a station there. Um, but yeah, I I I think this is probably explainable. Thoughts will. I yeah, I'm sorry. I don't really see what the what the phenomenon is here apart from a, a lift creaking. Three knocks is not a lift creaking. Well, it's not the same thing. What has been reported as three <laughs> knocks is, and, and this idea of it being like on a burial ground. I mean, everything is on a burial ground of dinosaurs. Native American Dinos- burial ground. He's got, <laughs> he has got a point, actually. We haven't dealt with the possibility of Velociraptor ghosts. Oh, that, shut I think up. that's something we should be talking about. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> right, people, people on this podcast don't know that. Obviously, I'm terrified of aliens, but dinosaurs are my other kryptonite i cannot deal with velociraptors and i regularly have velociraptor nightmares and it really freaks me out can i patent the name velocis vectors right now 
That's good. Ooh, I like it. That's, that is that's good. That's a film that me and Dan are going to make. Yep, <laughs> especially for you. Um, it's like my worst nightmare. Just to calm you down, so you don't worry. There is no recorded archaeological findings of velociraptors in the UK. Thank you. I feel really calm now. So it might be a ghost iguanodon, and they're not really scary. They're friendly. They've got the other ones with the thumbs, and they do little thumbs up. <laughs> that's what they do. I have heard lifts this week knocking, making knocking sounds. It's just old lift shafts do that kind of thing. Mm. I'm going to have to, I, I do agree in, with particularly you. Particularly if you're in a poor state one. of repair. I agree with you on this Sorry, one. Sorry, mate. I'm sure there are hauntings in bank statement. There's bank statement. <laughs> my, my, my bank, bank statement is definitely haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps disappearing. All that ghost money, where's it gone? Uh, <laughs> no, there's definitely hauntings in bank station, I'd imagine, but that's a poor example of them. Sorry. Oh, well, well, well thanks Sorry. very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can tell whatever that man's name was, Andy Harkin, that his story was poor. But he was frightened, okay? Hey, if he got paid money to, to tell it, then good on him. You ready for your next one? Yes. Even though the underground is visited by over 1 billion passengers each year, there are a number of places that passengers never go. One of these places is the Kennington Loop, a loop built into the tracks which allows for the trains to be turned around. The passengers exit the train at Kennington, and then the train is sent into the loop in order for it to turn around. This process can sometimes take up to 20 minutes. Bob Kerr was working on the Northern Line and was a frequent visitor to the Kennington Loop. 25 years ago, he was diverted to Kennington Loop. As usual, he dropped his passengers at Kennington Station and entered the loop to wait for their signal to turn the train around. He was awaiting his signal when he heard the door of the furthest carriage open and close. There was a slight pause, and then the door of the next carriage slid open. A pause, and then the clunk of the next door, and so on. The sound of the clunk and the grind of the opening doors got closer and closer and then... nothing. Kerr searched the train and found nothing but he believes that he was visited by the ghost of a passenger who attempted to board the train between two carriages and was dragged into the loop and killed. And what's interesting about this story is that it's been reported numerous times by numerous different drivers over the years. You can go first. How is that the leap? How is my doors are opening and closing... How do you go straight to, oh, must be visited by the ghost of that passenger that got dragged under there? How do you not? Well, <laughs> How is that not your first leap? Well, <laughs> Have you listened to this podcast, Sorry. Will? <laughs> I, I think aliens. <laughs> or velociraptors, <Well>, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Oh, it's obviously a ghost. All right, can I just say something? It might be a little bit disrespectful to the person that this happened to, but you have to be really stupid to try and board an underground train in between carriages. There's literally no door there. Yeah, but this is underground commuters. We, yeah, you must true. have seen commuters do silly things. Oh. They're reading their newspapers, they're looking at their phones. And they're always running. They're always running yes. for the train. And I'm like, yeah. there's literally going to be another one in five minutes. Like, you are not... Um, unless you are late every morning in which case get up earlier but you're not going to lose your job over five minutes i'm sorry but that's the entertainment on the underground watching people in business suits running for a door that you can see closing that is very true i sometimes think they've just hired them tfl just to like just yeah. just to run at doors that are closing just there's to amuse a, us every morning yeah. <laughs> so there's the, where i get off when i stay at my nan's the, the station i get off there's a bus that's supposed to be linked in with the train and it's always there when the train arrives. And literally, just as the last door closes and the train pulls away, the bus drives off before anybody can get on it every time. <laughs> I swear that is actually a thing. Going back to the story, I those tunnels creep me out a little bit anyway. Because they're always like... Because you don't get the volume of people down them. And they're just dark tunnels where you go around. Like I've never been down them, obviously. But they're just, they're just for like, like the works tunnels and stuff like that. Yeah. They're quite creepy anyway. 
And like a lot of them were, were bored out in Victorian times as well. And I'm convinced like the Victorians are responsible for most of our ghosts. Well, they're always Victorian, aren't yeah. they? Always Victorian ghosts. One the day we'll is... get our shell suit ghost. And, and they're, everything all, they're we'll always get. wearing clothes. Since when do clothes have spirits? Why are you two so obsessed with oh. naked ghosts? It's <laughs> just asking. <laughs> like... <laughs> I just think as well, if you're... If I was in a tunnel in the darkness underground and I was very aware that I'm on my own on this train... I'm like, whatever amount of feet under the ground, just waiting. There's, I know there's nowhere to go. I can't get off. My brain would immediately be like, that's it. I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to fucking die. This is it. And any noise, I'd be like, well, I'm haunted now. This is the end. So I think that actually that probably has a lot more to do with it rather than it actually being a haunting that you are under the ground aren't completely on your um, own. With the greatest respect, I think you're wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there's always somewhere to get off, Emma. <laughs> That wasn't where I was going, but that was a great punchline. I did see you giggling when I said that. And I was like, I don't know what I've said that's funny, but I know I'm going to hear about it. <laughs> there are over 400 escalators and lifts in operation at any one time in the underground network. Um, I Fact. think very few of them are in operation, actually, <laughs> yeah, if you visit it. <laughs> Can you let me finish? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Isn't that your sister's job? No, that's someone else. Yeah. I was speaking. No, I mean my sister does work for Network Radio. Yeah, but she so doesn't. Do, I was speaking to someone else. Don't worry. That is their job is responsibility for the escalators at London Underground. Barry Oakley was working the night shift. What, what's his name? Barry Oakley. <laughs> Barry Oakley. He's <laughs> <laughs> like karaoke, like Barry Oakley, <laughs> that famed London busker. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, Baz. I, th- I thought this episode was going to really freak you out, and here you are. We're strong oh, making when we're me together. laugh. It's okay. Right. <laughs> Barry Oakley, not to be confused with that famous book busker, Barry Oakley, <laughs> was working the night. <laughs> you need to change his name. I just call him Rob Smith. I just call him John. <laughs> oh, oh God, I'm crying. <laughs> John was working the night shift at Hyde Park Corner in 1978 and was responsible for ensuring that the lifts and escalators were shut down for the night. John and his colleague made their way to the supervisor's office ready to settle in for the night. At around 3am, they were disturbed by a commotion in the main concourse. The escalator had come on, something which confused both men as there was no electricity surging through it and a key was needed to make it operational. The key was situated in the office that they had just left. The temperature suddenly plunged to below freezing, so cold that they could see their breath billowing in little puffs of smoke. John was puzzled and turned to speak to his colleague. His colleague was shrunk against the wall, pale and terrified. John, believing he was ill, rushed to his aid, and when he came around, he repeatedly asked John, Did you not see it? Did you not see it? Eventually, he described a grotesque, snarling face that had emerged from within the escalator glaring at the two men. John's colleague left the station a few hours later and never returned to work in that station again. Mm. I, I will say that out of all of the things that you've said on this episode, Emma, I think the idea of a, of a London underground escalator moving is by far the most inexplicable and terrifying. <laughs> it's something I've never witnessed in my life. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> that one, I'm sold. You've converted me. <laughs> There is no explanation for that. <laughs> um, I also think that his colleague was mental, by the way. That's my explanation for that. I don't think anything why? Why? wrong happened. Why? 
Why is Dean? Why is demonic escalators not something that you can fathom? <laughs> demonic escalators, <laughs> that well-known phenomenon. They've got the most teeth out of any bit of machinery. I oh, I do always get really paranoid when I go down the escalator. That I'm going to get sucked in. Yeah. At the end. What station was it at again? High High Park Corner. Yes, it was. Yeah, blatantly, someone has died on those escalators. I think I think when you're dealing with the underground, like you're going to have to just accept the fact that there were plague pits all over London, and there's always going to have been people that died. And loads of people died in the construction of the underground anyway, because it wasn't, you know, there was no health and safety back then. It was like mm. throwing people down into a pit with a pickaxe. That, that's how they dug the holes. They just yeah. threw people <laughs> against it. Repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> but, right, so if we're working on the premise that it takes a lot of uh, energy for spirits to apparate. Yeah. I can already feel we'll put in face. No, no argument no. here. Okay. Absolutely. He was completely deadpan. Why would you waste all that energy on turning an escalator on? How else are you going to get them out? Of the office. Like... Luring them out, I'd appear as a person and shout. (laughs) (laughs) Shout what? (laughs) Barioki! What a shit name! The phrasing that you said, Emma, was something like, the face appeared out of the escalator. Well, listen, I had to kind of embellish that a little bit because in the documentary they just talked about a face and then there was no explanation as to where the face appeared from. But I assumed, Ah. because they were looking at the escalator, that it must have been something to do with the escalator. That's far more understandable if it just apparated in front of the escalator or near the escalator rather than coming out of the escalator. All right, well, next time (laughs) you can write it. So I'm just saying that this is clearly true. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm just wondering, on a slightly sceptical note, this is in the 70s. Drugs? No, I'm just thinking, like, how new are escalators at this point? Is this new technology? Maybe they accidentally switched it on, they just didn't realise. And they were panicking. Yeah. Like, oh God, we never knew these stairs moved. <laughs> that's what gave them the idea. The apparition moved the stairs, and they were like, that's a great idea, we should use some of those. <laughs> it wasn't even an escalator, it was just stairs being moved by a ghost. And they're like, hang on a second. <laughs> I've got it. Do you know it would be really great if we made these all the time and then made them not work? <laughs> <laughs> this one actually genuinely freaked me out I've been freaked out by all of them because it has it kind of weirdly reminds me of my story from episode one and when I listened to it earlier I was like oh I don't like this in 1992 Tarek Rana was working the late shift in Beacon Tree Station he was about to leave to go home and was finishing up some paperwork in the office he heard the door rattle and ignored it believing that there was a train coming the door then rattled again and again, and continued to rattle, but no train came. Rana was curious and went to investigate what the potential cause of this rattling was, while checking in with another member of staff. While he was walking to the other office, he became increasingly aware of someone walking closely behind him. He turned and saw what he described as a woman, a woman with long blonde hair, a white dress, and no face. Where her facial features should have been, there was nothing, just blank. He made his way quickly to his colleague, who remarked upon his arrival that he looked as if he had seen a ghost. Rana admitted that he believed he had actually seen a ghost, to which his colleague responded, was it the woman in the white dress with no face? Thoughts? White dress again. Always a white dress. Always. Well, there is a limited colour scheme in the afterlife. We've yeah, discussed we've discussed, this before. Oh, so that's where I was going. Uh, it just reminded me of that footage from that Manchester hotel, that Manchester office block with the, the um, handle going... Oh, yeah, I don't like that footage. It freaks me out. I just, uh, yeah, I think this is, obviously it's a haunted because it's 100% true. You could, I reckon if someone said to me, if you like, we're a sceptic like my friend here, 
Over here. Nobody can see you. Over here. Motioning to Will. <laughs> He's talking about Will, by the way. And someone, and you were wanting to play like a prank on someone that thought they'd seen a ghost. And someone said, oh, I think I have seen a ghost. Saying woman in a white dress, probably 90% of you're going to be like, yeah, actually it was. Like, yeah, that's true. Not like. But I think woman in a white dress with no face is oddly specific. Why? When these people see these ghosts, why is their first reaction not to go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. Are you okay? Well, that was, do you remember that was Cass's yeah. reaction when she saw a ghost? Her first reaction was to go, oh, sorry, are you okay? Are you locked in? So she wasn't, she didn't freak out and run around with her hands over her head like Dan would. <laughs> I'd just crumple to the floor and start wailing. And then it would turn out to be an actual customer trapped yeah, in the station. And they'd be like, could we just, I just want to get out. Like, are you okay? Dan will run around the corner screaming. And a, and a TFL employee will see him and he'll turn to his mate and go, did you see a ghost? Yeah, it was the man screaming with his hands above his head. His extraordinary long week. arms. I'm the screaming man. <laughs> I do think though that a lot of a lot of ghost sightings actually most likely are people who have like real people who have been in a weird situation they've seen somebody coming and looking at them weirdly so they're like I'm fucking getting out of here so they disappear I wonder how many reported ghost sightings happened on Halloween where it's like yeah, so this, he had really grey skin. Looks kind of looked like a zombie. It's really weird. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he, he was dressed as a slutty cat. <laughs> <laughs> he ran around screaming with his hands in the air as a slutty cat. I've got my Halloween outfit sorted for next year. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a, in the next story that I have, um, somebody appears in this story who we've actually spoken about in great detail. We're going to have to play <laughs> Spot That Paranormal Investigator. Zach Bagans? No. Oh. No. So I know you got really excited there, but no. No, no, oh. but I kind of wish it was now because oh. that would be funny, but yep. no, it isn't. But are there any more paranormal? That's, that's it. Yes, you'll know the name when oh, I say okay. it. There are many features that can explain a lot of these experiences, infrasound being one of them, but sometimes things happen that aren't as easy to understand. In 1983, a woman took a photo on the London Underground that baffled the world of science and continues to baffle to this day. This photo was taken on the Bakerloo line and ended up in the hands of none other than Morris Gross. Oh, Of the Enfield haunting fame. Karen Collette took the photo in a carriage on the Bakerloo line while showing her family around London. When Collette had the photos developed, she noticed something that shocked her. In the picture, in the carriage, in the London Underground, in the window, is a man sitting in an electric chair. The photo was examined by Robert Cop, photography expert, and he established that the photo was not in any way hoaxed or manipulated. Upon examination, Morris Gross realised that the image was of Bruno Hopman, a child kidnapper and murderer who was put to death in the electric chair. The image that appeared on the camera was the exact waxwork that existed of him in Madame Tussauds. Many believe that it's a poster, However, Madame Tussauds confirmed that an image of Hopman has never been used in any promotional material, flyers or posters. In later years, Colette accompanied a friend to see a medium. She waited for her friend outside, having no interest in the world of mediumship. At the end of the reading, the medium came outside, looked at her and said, I have a message for you. He went on to say that the message came from the man who was dying in the photo, and that he said he didn't do it, but that he had done other bad things. Her friend claimed she had never mentioned Colette in her reading. Oh, the man's name is surname is Colette. No, the girl who took the photo. 
So she so she waited for her friend outside and her friend said, I never spoke about oh, you in the reading. So she never okay, said, okay. oh, but my friend is outside there and she took a photo and it was really weird. But then, uh, you know how I feel about mediums. Anyway, so I don't, I don't Have really... Have you got a copy of this photo that I can see again? Oh no. Uh, I, I can pause and look it up if you want to. Okay, so you've seen the picture. I'll post it on Instagram and all that jazz. What do you think? It's very colourful. Yeah. More colourful than I was expecting it to be. It's a bit of an odd place for there to be a poster. Don't tend to have posters in tunnels unless it's at a station. Well, the the kind of the photography expert when he said, you know, it hasn't been, it definitely hasn't been hoaxed because yeah. it was just a point and shoot camera, like a disposable camera. But what he said was that he believed there was a poster inside the carriage and that it was reflecting on the window. Yeah, mm. But I don't know. I can't, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a photography expert. Are you not? No, no, <laughs> I know. It's weird, but... Isn't that how double exposures happen when there's a dark part of a photo, say a dark window, and then there's there's a mark underneath it? And I'm not saying it's a random scratch, but that's how double exposures work. Yeah, potentially. And you'd imagine if you were out with your family showing mm. them London, like you would definitely go mm. to see the Wax Museum. Like that would be somewhere that you'd go. Mm. But she claimed that she had never seen yeah. the waxwork before. And when, when Morris Gross said to her, I know what this is, she went to the waxwork and she was like, holy shit, this is the same thing. This is exactly what I yeah, saw. Yeah, so the lightning's quite interesting. It's the kind of special effect that you would put on a poster. Yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, to be like, come be and like, see. Oh, look, it's the electric yeah. chair man. Yeah. <laughs> the electric chair man. Like a superhero, <laughs> a but the worst superhero chairman. ever. But I'm still like, I still think Mr. Gross, my favourite friend, is not his name, is it? It's Green. It's gross. Oh, you said this, you did this in the yeah, whole okay. Enfield Photographs <laughs> episode. You were like, Mr. Green. And I was like, who? My friend, Mr. Gross. Yeah. I still think he's jumping to conclusions though because like of that era a man wearing brown slacks and white shirt and getting electrocuted in an electric chair could be anybody. Because that's what that's what happened to everybody in that era. No but that's the kind of very common clothes for a bloke to be wearing in that era so it doesn't like there's no indication that it's his face. Just to clarify you're sceptical about the fact that it's him but you're completely on board with the fact that it is a phantom getting electrocuted. Of course. Right. Right. Just so thank you for clarifying that because I was confused. Do, was the electric chair a common thing in England? I really don't think it was, no, was it? That was. No, it was their Saturday night entertainment. <laughs> oh, I see. Still is in some yeah. parts. Actually, that would be an interesting thing to look up because the last person that was executed in the UK was by hanging. Mm. Yeah, it was in, that was in the 60s. And I think hanging was more common. I don't, electric chair I don't is know, a very I don't American think it, thing. I don't think it was used in the UK at all. It must be for that guy, to, for Morris to tell you who it is. It's not like an American guy has gone all the way like, to Yeah, but he knew Morris who it was. Morris isn't going to lie about this, Emma. But Morris <laughs> knew who it was from, the, from Madame Tussauds, not from seeing the picture and going, fuck, yeah, that's the guy that got executed by the electric chair. Mm. Right, we need more research on this. We need to come back to this. This can be a whole episode. Can I, can <sighs> I, I don't say... Know. <laughs> I don't really want to do anything that has Morris Gross linked to it because he's obviously easily persuaded that everything is paranormal. Well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I know. Weird, right? I wonder who that sounds like. I, I take slight objection at the wording of, of something that was in that little preamble there. Because as as a sceptic, I, I know how incredibly annoying it is to people that, that do believe in paranormal for someone to come along and say, no, you're wrong because uh, this quick science-y thing. But, but in that was an equally annoying thing where it said the whole scientific community has been baffled by this. Yeah, okay, well, sorry. Well, I'm just saying, like, what are you saying? One person had a look at it and then all of science went, yep, we agree with that. I the think entirety you'll find that it did of go science. In front of Dr. Haw- uh, Dr. Hawkins. 
Uh, he did actually look at it. <laughs> and Who's Doctor Hawkins? Stephen Hawkins, right? Stephen Hawkins. Stevie H. Hawkin. Hawkin. Was he Hawking? Or we did this. No, that we did. Hawkins. Was it yeah, an e- Was he an S on the end? Hawkins. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Uh, I think you'll find that he looked at this and he actually said, it's "Got to be a ghost." And no, he I'm actually represented did, the entirety of the scientific did, community. my statement. Then. He did some sums <laughs> and proved that this was actually a ghost. <laughs> did some. <laughs> There. Yeah. I so see. therefore the entire scientific community is baffled oh wow I stand corrected well listen Will you're just going to have to embrace the fact that I've taken some poetic license for this one okay, okay. Can, we just, can we just talk about it a little bit more before we move on yeah so we need to know firstly whether this guy is actually British and whether this happened in Britain okay because that would do, do go, can ghosts like fly over the ocean but I feel like you're not really like that's a lot of effort yeah probably no <laughs> I don't know. Do you think uh, they have special ghost ships? That's what ghost ships are. They're ghosts emigrating from one continent to another. They're that's just blown my mind. <laughs> that is, that's probably true. They have their own public transport system. They don't need to haunt the underground. Or maybe they do. Maybe they do need to haunt the underground just to get around. Yeah. Like, maybe they can't just fucking apparate from one place to the other. It's not like Harry Potter. Maybe they genuinely have to travel places. Mm. He's been on a really long trip then from America. It seems also seems like a bit of a pointless trip just to tell someone that took a... F- to sell someone's friend that took maybe, a photo of him that he's well, innocent. Maybe, but I don't think he made the trip for that reason. I think that him being captured on, on, on a photo was just a fucking happy coincidence. And he was actually going to see his own waxwork and being like, mm. they did not get me right. Oh, maybe he's going to sign it. Like do a ghost signature so it's worth more money. Maybe. Do ghosts take holidays? I would imagine, yeah. I'd imagine haunting people takes a lot out of you and you'd need about two weeks off in the sun a year. Maybe it was just a day out for him. Maybe. We just happened to be caught. Mm, bad luck. Yeah. I also feel that if you were a ghost and you were executed, that's probably not the pose you'd be seen in unless they were actually going through the place where he was executed. Like, no, no, no. You, you appear in what was the most traumatic moment of your life because that's when the most ethereal energy was created. Okay, fair I'm fair. sorry, I thought you were a sceptic. But I can't be a sceptic without first studying what it is that people... Right, I, I'm, I not, see. I'm not just going, I don't believe in ghosts, but I don't know what ghosts are or are supposed to be. But I have no reasoning behind it. Okay, I respect yeah. that. I get that, right? So, right, if you've been beheaded, yeah, that's why you see headless ghosts, right? They're still walking around. If you've been electrocuted, they are still walking around, aren't they? Yeah, that's I, yeah. yeah. So, but if you've been electrocuted and your ghostly form is in an electric chair, it must be so awkward to get about. Like, imagine that journey from <laughs> America. <laughs> He's got to get onto the ship. And that means not only do clothes have spirits, but also furniture has spirits. Well, there are a lot of people who believe that furniture, you know, gets imprinted by traumatic experiences. That energy gets imprinted onto oh, I'm furniture. So, I've just imprinted all over your sofa. No, oh, Will! <laughs> Don't imprint on my sofa! <laughs> but we're not talking about imprinted furniture, we're talking about ghost furniture here, because that chair was not in the underground. So the furniture, the ghost, the chair itself is also a ghost. Yeah, that's really annoying. It's kind of Beauty and the Beast vibes. Yeah, but they're not ghosts. Yeah, they're not ghosts, but well, that's, I never said they were ghosts. I said it was Beauty and the Beast vibes. But this know? is a ghost. Yeah, I get that. You're so annoying. <laughs> I hate this episode already. <laughs> Are you ready for another story? Yes. Yeah, I liked that one. In Bank Monument Station, Cliff Archibald was checking the CCTV monitors in his office after the station had been emptied and closed. At 2am, he noticed something strange. A little old woman, dressed all in black, was standing in the middle of a corridor. Archibald collected his radio and made his way to her in order to escort her from the station. When he reached her, she was still standing at the end of the corridor. He called to her. She looked up at him, turned and moved into one of the side corridors. Archibald called after her and ran through the corridor in order to get to her. 
When he reached the corridor that she had walked into, she was nowhere to be seen. He ran to the end of the corridor. It was gated and padlocked and there was nowhere else that she could have gone, but yet she had disappeared into thin air. Sarah Whitehead spent 25 years returning daily to the bank area, dressed in black, to mourn the death of her executed brother in 1811. It is believed that her grave was disturbed in the building of Bank Station. But she's apparently seen really regularly. Yeah, I've heard this story before. Yeah. And it's slightly different guys, but probably not from Cliff Archibald or whatever his name was. Why have all these people got such amazing names? names? Cliff Archibald is a great name. That's his real name. Wow. I like yeah. it. Good for him. I know. Well done, Cliff. Is Cliff Cli- short of Clifton? Clifford. Clifford. Clifton. Clifton. <laughs> Clifford. Might be Clifton. Well, if you're a Clifton and you're listening, can you please message in? Watch us get a load of messages now being like, my name is Clifton. Mm. That would be annoying. And then I'll be raising my eyebrows to you again. Was it Clifford the Big Red Dog? Yeah, Emma doesn't know about the Big Red Dog, but oh. yeah, it was. It wasn't an island, island thing, I don't think. Is that an American thing? No, well, it was probably American at some point, but it was over here yep. for ages. Yeah, I'm too know. old for it, but I've seen it. It's a really big red dog. I gathered from Clifford yeah. the Big Red Dog. <laughs> so now that we've explained that. <laughs> and now we've explained that phenomenon we can move on this is a definite haunting though this is a haunting because I've, I've seen loads of responses about this about the same woman yeah, in this, the same this, corridor and this. it's actually factually proved that this woman oh she did exist bro- yeah and her oh, brother the, was it's been actually factually proved has it no the, the woman that, that actually is that a double negative no no, no. it's like we a double just, it's a double we'll positive make, actually factually if I was marking one of my psychology essays on my students I would say it has been strongly suggested hasn't been proven it's no, but there's. I'm sure there's like historical records that this yeah, guy was... Yeah, she existed. And he one. was executed. That is true. But this story... The guy... So Clifford Archibald, great name. When he was telling this story in the documentary, he was like, I just want to put it out there that I don't believe in ghosts. I still don't believe in ghosts. I have no interest in the paranormal. So I want to put out a missing persons for this little old lady who's been... So he was <laughs> like... So this little old lady is still in that tunnel somewhere. But he was like, the reason why I'm telling you this is just because I can't explain it and I don't know where she went and it will stay with me until I die because I just don't understand it. So the door at the end of the tunnel or the end of the corridor was gated, right? It was... Do you know when they... You know where they have the spiral staircase and they gate the bottom of them and so they're So what if she was really emaciated? Really skinny. Yeah, and she, and she just, just went... Oh, do you remember that episode of The X-Files? Oh, you know where the guy is like, Remember, like jellyish. I've only seen what we saw on Netflix in Canada of the X Files. Yeah, I've seen. but it was one of the episodes we oh, watched yeah, where yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, jellyish yeah, yeah. and he could slip into like I was going to say he could slip into little holes. <laughs> <laughs> Always a place for him to get off. This is shocking. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, I I think this is actually a true thing. There's lot I've led where I know that like eyewitnesses eyewitness accounts don't mean that it's true necessarily, but there are lots of accounts of this woman being in the same place which could just be reinforced by hearsay I guess but then little old woman little old woman women kind of have a tendency to look very similar like I saw a lot of little ageist it is ageist and, and also I will... there was nothing in that description about a blue rinse so that's but listen like last week I saw a, a, quite a number of little old women at one point I thought it was the same little old woman that kept coming back <laughs> because they were all wearing purple and they all looked really similar so you it's, kept telling them to piss off. I was like, <laughs> why are you, why do you keep leaving and coming back? Do you know? And I couldn't really figure it out. And then I realised they were actually different old women. So it might just be that it's different old women. Or you're not very observant. <laughs> or I'm just not very observant. But I don't think, if I was in his situation, I don't think I'd think it was a ghost. I don't I, think I'd be the like, thing, The thing is with me is that it's a very clear description of this woman in that she's wearing black. Old women, stereotype, don't tend to just walk around wearing black these days. It's not a very common thing. Most old women have like 
Marks and Spencer's shoes on. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. If you're an old woman and you wear black, can you please write into us and let us know? And I mean, if it was like an old woman wearing like an Iron Maiden t-shirt, a black Iron Maiden t-shirt, or something like that, then maybe. I just don't think it's very of the age. Fair enough. Will, what do you think? It's now a time to talk about infrasound. Can we talk about infrasound at the end? Yes. When we've been through all the stories, because okay. actually infrasound is really interesting, and is I didn't know about same, it until today. Is yes. that the same as unsound, as the unsound <laughs> of black tapes? No, the unsound is the thing which opens the demonic portal. So it's not the same thing? No. No, oh, no, no. Is this, infrasound is different. Then? Well, so I've got, in a different way. Okay. I've got two more stories. Yes. No, you go for it. I think I, I, I'm just putting my chips on the table. Sounds an awful lot like an eyeball vibration to me. But we will talk about eyeball vibrations and infrasound in a few minutes. But I've got two more stories, and these two are my favourite yes. stories of this of this whole thing. Paul Fisher was training in 1984 when he was asked to walk the track of the Northern Line. This required you to walk the tracks after the trains had stopped using a torch. During his walk, Fisher came to a wider part of a tunnel, and there was a man working on the line. This was not particularly unusual, as for the most part, maintenance on the tube takes place at night. What was unusual, however, was the fact that this man was using an old-style tilly lamp rather than a torch. Fisher looked at him and said, I'm, I'm surprised you're using one of those. I thought no one used them anymore. The man replied that he preferred it, and Fisher asked him what was the name of the part of the tunnel that they were in. The man replied, this is South Island Place, and Fisher thanked him and went on his way. Upon reaching his destination, he called his supervisor to report that he'd finished walking the track and asked his supervisor why there was a man working alone in South Island Place. The supervisor was puzzled and stated that there was absolutely no reason as to why there would be someone in the tunnel and therefore the tunnel had to be searched and all trains had to be cancelled for the morning until the search was completed. No one was found in the tunnel. Fisher was summoned before his superiors to explain himself and he told them the story of what happened. They asked him what he knew of South Island Place and he knew nothing of the place being new to the job. In the 1950s a maintenance worker was killed on the Northern Line while working on a compressor in South Island Place. He didn't hear the approaching train. The driver of the train that hit him reported that he had seen the man holding a tilly lamp just before he hit him. That's a good story. I know, right? I liked that one. And this guy, Paul Fisher, was like one of the, became, like, worked his way up the ranks and is now like one of the heads of TFL. And he told this story and he was like, I don't care what you think of it, but this is what happened. That's good. That, yeah, it's a good story, it, isn't it? The London Underground has its own little lore anyway. Like stories of certain people that die oh, yeah. in certain places and stuff like that. And actually in the 50s and stuff like that, it was like like pre, probably pre-1980s really. It was a really still quite a reckless rail, rail system. It's the oh, wild west of the British yeah. railways. <laughs> but I, I just love the fact that he did his job, reported the, the fact that he'd seen someone mm. on the line... They followed the correct procedures and then he was hauled in front of his superiors to explain himself as if he'd done something wrong. Well, he said that when he was hauled up, they were really like, they thought he was taking the piss. Mm. And that's why they were like, what do you know of the, whatever the place was called? I can't even find South it. Island. South Island Place. He's, they were like, what do you know of South Island Place? And he was like, I, and he thought he was going to get fired. And he was like, I genuinely don't, that man just told me that's what it was called. And he said that he wanted to sound clever when he rang his superiors. So he was like, oh yeah, in South Island Place, this is, there's a man there. And because the trains were shut down, there had to be a report as to why the trains were shut down because they were shut down until about eight o'clock in the morning, which meant that nobody could get the train to work. So it was all a big drama and he felt like a massive twat. But he was like, but this is what happened and this is what I saw. And then it was his supervisors that or his like superiors that were like, okay, well, you know, there's lots of ghost stories about South Island Place. And he was like, nope, absolutely no idea. But yeah, I thought that was a really interesting one. I like stories like that where they haven't got an idea of what 
has been said previously about that. No, and I do like the fact that he had a conversation with this man. That it wasn't Mm. just like I saw him out of the corner of my eye and he was naked and he had left his overalls (laughs) in a little pile That's also two stories on the trot where the person in question has reacted as Will suggested Mm. and actually gone to check to see what's going on. So the, the man, Cliff Richard... <laughs> he, uh, Cliff Richard. he went and checked on the old woman, which was the right thing to do. Yeah. And this person spoken to the railway worker, which is what you do when you're walking the tracks. That's that's something you should do, because um, obviously that's your job. You're supposed to be checking it's clear before the next trains go. So that's good, right? Did you know that there's a job on the London Underground? Um, I'm going to say this now, and it's going to make me laugh. But there's people who work on the London Underground called fluffers. Now that's also that's also. Um, do you know what that is, Dan? Is it the same as flappers? No, oh no, Dan doesn't know what fluffers are. So on porn sets, there's also people called fluffers who um, keep people aroused in between mm. scenes and whatever. But fluffers on the underground have a very specific job, and their job is to collect hair from the from the tunnels because, like, there's literally millions of people that go through every day, and obviously, loads of your hair falls out on a daily basis and their job is to go and collect all the hair off the line because it would interfere with the electronics and then they make it into little voodoo dolls Mm. and they hang them up inside the tunnels I thought it was collected by the person rat hybrids oh maybe that's maybe that's why they've been employed are you serious about the dolls (laughs) in the tunnels yeah no I am serious so if you go into the straight face. If, if you look really closely as the train goes you can just kind of see them flashing past out the window yeah and the little rat hybrid people <laughs> scuttling along scuttling up the walls like if you've never seen a mouse before in your life and you'd like to see one I just recommend standing on the platform and, and any London Underground station They're you will so see cute. one They're so cute yeah they are so cute I've got a problem with mice Rats? No, you said larger <clears throat> bigger cousins oh, have you seen a king rat do you know what a king rat is King rat is a genuine phenomenon. What it is is it's it's loads of rats. Yeah, that, that all so nest close together, together. Yeah, that all of their tails have become tangled in a big knot. No, so that's genuinely happens. Yeah, they're called king rats, and it's like a big, just a big fucking ball of rats. Yeah, basically. Imagine someone picking up a ball of rats and throwing it at you. Down. I, I can't imagine anybody face. wanting to pick up a rat full stop, let alone. <laughs> I would. Oh, they're no. cute. Sweet. They're so cute. Are you ready for the final story to change the subject away from rats and Depends balls of rats? rats in the story. There's no rats in the story. John Graham was a station foreman working the night shift in Bethnal Ooh, Green in normal 1981. Name. Normal name. He had secured the station and went to the office to do some paperwork. There's a real theme of people doing paperwork in these stories. Uh, do you know what that is though? Because during the day they've got other shit to do. Yeah, but also, I'd, well, if I was on TV, I, I wouldn't be like... Uh, so I went to the office and... Um, Stealth wank. <laughs> that's not where i was going but okay i'm not usually this rude no i wouldn't i would not say that on tv either <clears throat> right this story gets really serious so i'm gonna have to rein it in rein it in a bit you ready he had secured the station and went to the office to do some paperwork <laughs> suddenly he heard the sound of children crying he dismissed it at first as being his imagination the crying became louder and louder and was soon accompanied by the sound of women screaming people running and crying the sound continued to become louder and louder until it was a cacophony of panic that went on for approximately 15 minutes graham left the office and went to the main concourse where he stayed for the remainder of the night he refused to work in bethnal green at night after that 173 people were crushed to death at Bethnal Green in the worst civilian disaster of the Second World War. 
The air raid siren had sounded, causing people to rush to the underground. In the rush, an anti-aircraft weapon had misfired, causing a panic. The majority of people crushed were women and children. There are so many stories that haunt the underground. Like the Baker Lou Line ghost. Apparently, if you travel the Baker Lou Line at certain times, you can see the reflection of someone sitting next to you, even if the seat is empty. The screams of Anne Naylor, who was murdered, are heard around Farrington Station. The train of the dead, a train which supposedly transported bodies, is still heard travelling through abandoned tunnels. Over 600 bodies were exhumed and moved in the construction of the Jubilee Line. Many of those were the bodies of monks from monasteries. There have been hundreds of sightings of monks on the Jubilee Line in recent years. And the sightings of ghosts on the underground are only increasing. What are your thoughts? I know that that Bethnal... uh, So, ghosts ghosts aside, that Mm. Bethnal Green story is horrific. Uh, one of the most terrifying civilian casualties in World War Two. Like, yeah, absolutely awful. Almost oh, just traumatizing, like horrific. But they were like loads of um, London underground stations were used as um, bomb shelters. Bomb shelters because it made sense because they were already underground and, mm. and relatively secure. And actually, that is not a story of a shelter being bombed, but actually just a unfortunate accident. Really. Yeah, um, it was a complete mistake. Like there was no. There was no bombing. It was a misfire of a of an anti aircraft missile, but that's just what happened. So that he could have experienced the residual. But that guy, that um, this is awful. But the guy who told that story was literally the most boring man alive. And I listened to it and I was like, "This is a great story," but oh my god, <laughs> seriously, this actually like, how can you be so boring telling this story? But he again was another one who was like, I've never believed in ghosts, never saw a ghost, don't mm. believe in anything like that. But he said, but something happened that night in that. Can I just throw out there? Yep. If I was ever recorded, if, if I ever saw a ghost, that I was like, oh, no, I'm not talking about little girls in hotels. I'm talking about like actual ghosts that yeah. I was 100% certain of. If some TV crew came to interview me, I would not go, yeah, I'm really scared of ghosts all the time. Uh, yeah, I totally believe in them. I'd be like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I don't normally... Do and then they discover the podcast and be like, <laughs> this man is clearly a liar. Good point. So, Will, what was your theory? Well, it's not really a theory because infrasound is a thing, but mm. what what is the story with infrasound? What is it? What happens? What does it do? In- infrasound was um, a, a researcher in Coventry University who was a, very much a sceptic, but um, he and all of his assistants used to work in a lab that they really felt was haunted. They would have headaches. They would they would feel really uneasy every time they were working in there. Um, and one time he was working in there in the middle of the night, and he saw um, something out the corner of his eye. And when he turned around, the figure disappeared. But he, he was sceptic, and, and he thought there's there's obviously something going something on. Something has to be going on here, yeah. Um, the next day, and this is true, I swear, he was he was going to a fencing match, so he brought along his foil to to tighten it. Um, his fencing sword, and he put it in a in a clamp in a vice in the middle of the room, and he noticed that it was vibrating, even though there was nothing going on around. Mm. Um, so he thought, well, there's there's something moving in here without me being aware of it. So he and his team went through the whole office, and they found that there was a fan that had been incorrectly installed that was actually vibrating at a super low frequency, um, that you you couldn't hear it because it was below the the frequency that we are aware of as people. Um, but as soon as they turned the fan off, all of those paranormal things that people thought they were seeing and everything uh, went. And they all described it as as soon as the fan was switched off, it was like a weight being lifted. 
And you know what's really interesting? Mm. In this documentary, they brought this guy in. Okay. This infrasound guy. And yeah. he went around all these, like, Kennington Loop. He went to all these different places. Mm. And he tested them all for infrasound. And mm. the infrasound was off the fucking chart. Yeah. And be. he was saying... It's big, booming tunnels. So he described it as, imagine being in the loudest... If you could hear infrasound, which obviously we can't, it would be the equivalent of being in the loudest disco you could possibly stand. Mm. But obviously you can't hear it, so you're unaware of it. And most of these reports of people of like sightings on the underground are just that there are people being seen out of the corner of your eye or yeah. shadows or an uneasy feeling or I felt really sick or I felt really cold and infrasound causes your body to have all those reactions blew my mind yeah. do you know what though it's not only that in the London underground there is like those tunnels are so full of chemicals it's unreal oh like <laughs> because the, but from the trains yeah because yeah. origi- well, originally the, the <laughs> sorry to get really train geek on you but this is what happens when your dad's a train geek the London Underground trains were steam trains underground so the level of the wow the that's rankness crazy. underground must just be unreal so there's obviously that toxicity element to it as well and I've just had my mind blown because we can't hear infrasound, but animals potentially can, yeah. which would explain why animals act weird in mm. paranormal situations as well, right? Yeah. It's Mental. Like before big earthquakes or, or tsunamis, all the dogs go crazy. Oh, that that is one that is so true. Do you yeah. remember I do you remember there was um an earthquake in Kent a couple of years ago? Mm. And I woke up before it happened. And I remember waking up and immediately thinking something mm. is wrong. Something yeah. is something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. And I was really panicked, and I felt really sick. And I was like, oh, "Something's going to happen." And then the earthquake happened, and Are I was you an like, "Animal." <laughs> yeah, I am. And I was like, "Was that a fucking earthquake? Like, where am I?" But all the dogs and everything mm. were going completely mental. We're going berserk. And, and then I thought I had some sort of gift, but actually, it's probably well, just well, infrared because <laughs> you can't you can't hear it, but you but you sense it because your body is vibrating and, yeah. and your organs vibrate and. And you, you don't just think you see something out the corner of your eye. Your, your eyes are actually vibrating if it's loud enough and strong enough, which cause those shadows in the corner of your vision. Yeah, so this, so the guy went to like... So in, he went to pretty much all of the places in the documentary and all the places in these stories. Hmm. And in all of the places, there were spikes of infrasound. And he was like, you're dealing with an underground system that is full of machinery. Hmm. And that's the reality of it. And that infrasound is impacting people and that's why you have people who go that part of the tunnel you know there's something's there because it makes mm. you feel sick and he went into this I didn't even write the story down but there was this tunnel where people were refusing to work and it was one of those abandoned tunnels and people were like no we're not working there something's happening in it and he went into the tunnel and not only was there infrasound but there also was the wind you know the wind that you hear that roar before the trains come um, well you could hear that but it also caused the doors to bang and like stuff to move and stuff to like fall off things because of the vibrations and he was like there's nothing paranormal here but it's just stuff that we're sensing and not actually being able to put our finger on on what it actually is that's happening maybe this wasn't a channel 5 documentary i'm warming up to it now you know it was really interesting like it was they had this guy on it for um was was he called van kilmer i have the name van kilmer in my head val kilmer is a i I know i know (laughs) i thought his name was vic something it might have been. I don't know. Okay. It was some. His his first name is like Van or. or but he, they they did talk something. about him being from a university and that he had yeah. studied infrasound and that he was he went to like paranormal places mm. and tested to see if the infrasound was yeah um, stronger than normal and even places like so the one where he heard the screaming of the children and and the in um, Bethnal Green so he went outside. Mm. 
and he recorded all the sounds outside. And for whatever reason, whatever way the building is shaped or whatever it is, the sound travels differently through the building. And all the sounds that you hear outside are somehow magnified inside. So when that man was on his own, he was like, I'm not saying this is what happened, but the likelihood is, is what he was actually hearing was outside. And it was magnified within the building because the building was empty. Yeah. All those screaming kids at two o'clock in the morning. Um, That's what happens. Yeah. I think that infrasound explains what, how many stories have we had? Seven? I don't even remember how many we've had. It, do, it doesn't it, explain the technical things. And it also doesn't explain having full-blown conversations with apparitions. Like it no, explains I'm not the, it, does. it explains the cor- the out of the corner of your eye. But there's there's the guy that Cliff Richard who chased the woman down the ro- down the road <laughs> down the, the tunnel. Yeah, the little woman in black. And then yeah. there's that bloke who's on South Pacific. Did he go to South Pacific Island? Or whatever it's called, South Central oh. Island. Yeah, I was like, so what, what story? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Ghost going on holiday. So <laughs> that Elvis juice mate, South Pacific. Um, that is actually a link. But he had a conversation with somebody that was, and he didn't think it was a ghost. He wasn't like, yeah, he, but, I mean, what what might have started as a conversation? You know, how many people have you walked past and gone, "Hi, you're right," and then you don't even kind of register their response, but you're just half aware that they've said something. You could have walked past something and gone. Hi mate, you're right, and you kind of think, oh, he must have said yeah or right back, so that's yeah, how they remember it. He asked the guy where he was, and he got a response. That's not just a subtle conversation. All right, well then, ghosts. Yes, <laughs> we've won. We've we've won him over to the dark well, you side. Don't you don't believe you're <laughs> yeah, just giving really as he is. I do think that I think the stories of like say the story of the man in the overalls, which is obviously was obviously traumatic for I those people. I still think that's a naked homeless. I person. still think that I like I do as well. I think that actually this person did hide somewhere yeah. and it was like it was like the last episode we did about the people in the forests the Bigfoot stealing all the kids and whatever <laughs> and actually it's just feral people living in the forests more likely than anything else but because it's that thing of if when you don't have an explanation you fill that void with what ifs well what if it's paranormal what if it was a ghost and what if it was and then suddenly that what if becomes real that's it that's exactly what happened that's the reality of it and that guy who had the conversation with the ghost in the tunnel what i didn't tell you was that he actually couldn't remember the conversation that he had with the man oh boom and he said he said i don't remember what he said but i think he said something like he preferred to use the lamp so it wasn't how did he know where he was then but he didn't, but that was, if you were saying in the very beginning, I don't remember the conversation I had with him, yeah, but, but he, he said... he also didn't know the tunnel. No, he didn't know the tunnel, but it might be that he... Saw it on a sign. Did know the tunnel, had that conversation with this man, and then went the back. The tunnels aren't labelled. They're not labelled inside. Label no, somewhere. they're not labelled inside. How many have you been down? All of them. <laughs> I'll ask my dad. My dad has actually been down most of them, so I will ask Ask him. your dad. This will be our next episode. <laughs> will, will Dan and Emma walk the tunnels? <laughs> Emma's a fluffer. <laughs> I don't need to know about that. <laughs> um, I love the underground. Um, and I think it is incredibly creepy. And there's loads of I, there's loads of unused parts of the underground. Why are you looking at me like that? Because we're an hour in already. Oh, it'll be cut short though, won't it? Well, I don't think it'll be good that much. Um, yeah, there's loads of stuff that like, I want to go down all the places that aren't used anymore. Like I want to go to Aldwych. I want to go to the, the bit that Paul McCartney owns where all the files are. There's like there's loads of places where you, there's like, there's a place where like Paul McCartney has actually got loads of his original manuscripts, and it's like a company that own a station and they store like files down there mm. for, for rich and famous people. Mm. I want to go and see all these stations. My dad's been to some of them, not that one, 
but he's been to some of the abandoned ones when he used to work for him. But I also think that a lot of our um, attribution of things to the paranormal comes from fundamental human guilt. So when you think about the fact that we've disturbed, not we, us three in this room, but we as humans, we've disturbed like plague pits and, you know, old graveyards and, you know, mass burial sites to build our to build our underground or whatever. And we do have a reverence for the dead. That's why we yeah, bury but that's, them. Yeah, that's bollocks though, because the majority of people that use the underground don't have a passing, give a flying fuck Yeah, but the, kind of all of these stories, people, all these dead. stories came from people who work in the underground. So the only story that came from a passenger was the story of the photograph. Mm. But all the other stories came from people who work day in, day out in the underground. And you have to remember that if you're in that situation, there's going to be people going, did you hear that tunnel is haunted? You know, you're going to, there's that whole confirmation bias thing where somebody tells you that tunnel is haunted, then you go into that tunnel and something happens and you're like, that's it, haunted. So, I don't know. I don't think, I, I think if there was ever going to be somewhere that was haunted, I would say, yeah, the underground probably would be. But I think a lot of these stories can be put down to infrasound and the effect that that has on your body. It's a bit of an unfair panacea. I mean, it's like people who believe in ghosts saying that was a ghost and you can't unprove it. Yeah. This is the sceptic version of that. It could have been infrasound and you can't unprove that. No. Um, Because it doesn't just happen in tunnels. Like, it could be a a window vibrating because it's been set slightly wrong could cause infrasound to happen. It's anything below 20 hertz. So it it could be anything, anywhere, Mm. is infrasound. So thank you for joining us for the final episode of your life. Ghost Stories. Obviously, ghosts every are not true. It's just comes, infrasound now. Every episode that comes up Sorry, from now guys. is just going to be like infrasound. Infrasound. Yeah, definitely infrasound. And we have two reviews. Do you want to hear them? Yes, I would love to hear them. Let's go. We have a review from Winchester 2017. Winchester, like the Winchester. Yeah, yes. like the Winchester house. I hope that hotel. is a supernatural reference because Sam and Dean are Winchesters. Oh, that's I wasn't. I was thinking about the Winchester Rifle House. The Winchester Mystery House. Yeah. I'm still not obviously still not embedded in Supernatural enough yet. No, you're I haven't made that link, sorry. Hey guys, love the show. I'm new to the podcast world and listen to your show every night on my hour drive home from work. I like the humour you infuse with the scary stories you share, and it's great to hear reactions to stories from different parts of the world. Keep up the great work. And our second one comes from Upper Girl twenty five, who says, Love your banter. We're only on episode two so far. Oh, episode two was shite as well. Move on from that one. <laughs> and my fiance and I are loving your podcast. Your banter makes this show. We tried listening to several podcasts and they're all boring AF. You guys are so entertaining. I subscribed and I'm totally looking forward to binging all of your episodes. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, and both of those are talking about the banter and humour. And I think today is uh, is full-blown... Peak banter. Yeah. <laughs> so, Will, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast thank today. Thank you very much for having me. Do you feel like you have been converted to the world of the paranormal? 100%. Oh, I fucking knew it. Yeah. Fucking knew it. Yeah. See, now it's good. I'm not even going to be on the podcast from now on. So, so what's, ha- what's just happened? Because I've just become a sceptic. So, yeah. we swap roles. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know. What, well, I'm frightened. It's like Freaky <laughs> Friday. Negative energy away from me, all right? You're disturbing the spirits in here. <laughs> So if you want to contact us, you can find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find us on Facebook. If you just like our page, it's Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. And we have a super secret, super group, which you have to answer super secret, super question to join. <laughs> which gets more super and more secret every week. It does, all right? <laughs> it's the question this week, which item of furniture has the most imprinting in your house? It now will be. It now will be. And... People on there are always posting like memes about the paranormal and funny stuff. And today 
Lorraine Warren died. So rest in peace, Lorraine Warren. And somebody posted that in the group earlier. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. Thanks, Will. That's all right. And we are also on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. Help us help me rather get Dan to do a paranormal investigation I'm serious like you people work really hard so please keep your money it's absolutely fine I, I'm good we've got our pop guards if you if you need your money for food that's fine I'm, I'm good but just imagine a feature length yes. documentary of Dan in a haunted location I feel like you might be over egging how good this is going to be yeah I really am over egging it because you know Will you're going to be our cameraman yes for the journey I'm up I'm up for it and if you want to send us a story, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com, I think. I can't remember if that's the email address or not. I keep getting loads of stories, but keep them coming in because we're going to do another listener's episode in our 30th episode. And you keep looking at me as if I know anything about what you do. He doesn't know anything about what I do. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Ciao. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>